This is CS50. Hello, world. This is the CS50 Podcast. My name is David Malin. My name is Brian Yu. And today we thought we'd talk a little bit about the CS50 Fair, which takes place at the end of CS50 every semester, an opportunity for students to show off their final projects. I've been to, what is it now, five CS50 Fairs, I think. Now, how many CS50 Fairs have there been? There have been 12, and 12. I have been to all 12 of them. All right. What was the first one like? The first one was similar in spirit to what you see now, if any of you listening online have seen any of the photographs or video footage from them, but it was smaller scale. Was and this the first year that you taught the class or did this come about later? This was second year. So this was okay. in 2008 when we had 287 students in the class. Uh, so it was a smaller scale event. We s divided it into just a couple, two or three shifts of students with maybe a hundred or so students, uh, give or take, presenting their final projects at any one time. Um, but it was in one our original space on campus, the building of a basement called Northwest Science, which is one of the science buildings on campus with a big concrete floor area, lots of uh, tall ceilings and pillars that we were able to set up a whole lot of tables on for students to present their final projects. And the CS50 Fair now, especially for people who've seen it online, probably have seen photos of what it looks like now. It's all fancy. There are balloons. There's high tables with nice tablecloths all over it. Was it like that from the beginning or what was the first CS50 Fair like, like visually? Yeah, it was actually. So the whole intent of the CS50 Fair, for those unfamiliar, is to be a course-wide and campus-wide exhibition in, if not celebration of students' final projects in the course. Uh, in a nutshell, for CS50, our undergraduate course in computer science, students can implement most any software-based project of interest to them at the end of the semester. And the goal of the CS50 Fair was to provide a vehicle at the end of the semester for students to present their work to classmates, to staff, and to students, faculty, and staff from across campus. So yes, I worked with one of our earliest uh, assistant head teaching fellows, Yuki Yamashita, who was a junior or senior at the time, and he and I pretty much spent winter break over the phone and email planning the very first CS50 fair. At the time, Harvard's uh, exams were after the break. So the very first CS50 fair was actually in January, not in December, which it now is when the course was closer to concluding. And we pretty much knew the dimensions of the space, the basement space of Northwest Science, big concrete floor and pillars. And we knew the distance between all of those pillars. And so we essentially came up with all of these estimations and models using Photoshop or some other such tool to mock up the space. And we knew we wanted bar height tables. We wanted students and staff and faculty to be able to walk by and not have people seated or crouching over. We got just very simple tablecloths to cover everything to the floor. And then we realized we wanted to decorate the space and the easiest way to decorate a space, especially with tall ceilings, is just to put some balloons with helium on string. Um, and so that's what we did early on uh, to adorn the space. And how did you figure out like where to get enough tables to have 300 people present their projects and enough balloons to fill an entire basement of a building? Like It feels like there's a lot of just upfront logistics to figure out in terms of how to make this work. And now we can just rely on, oh, let's do what we do last year. But the first time must have been much tougher. Yeah, no, we had to envision everything off the top of our heads. And when we, I'm guessing we asked someone at the time, hey, where can we get 100 bar height tables? Well, Harvard doesn't have its own supply of those. Uh, and so there's a local place that we ultimately had to rent them from, uh, the tablecloths as well. We knew way too much about the like per unit cost of tablecloths and, uh, and tables at the time. But we also, from that same vendor, for instance, got a few popcorn machines. We wanted to make it kind of like a fair, really like a carnival of sorts, albeit academically oriented. So we got two or three popcorn machines, the idea being that the teaching fellows and the staff running the event could pop some popcorn and it would be a nice way to say hello to people and greet them on the way in. I think 
not the first year. Eventually, we tried cotton candy machines, which is so much fun to make because you finally understand how it works by putting a little paper cone round and round in the sugar. Um, but oh my God, what a mess it makes. You don't really want free-flowing sugar in the air. Uh, so we killed that after a while. The popcorn machines aren't easy to use. I remember struggling to like figure out how to actually make popcorn in the popcorn machine the very first time because I had never actually used a popcorn machine before. Yeah, no, there's the big carnival-style ones or that you'd get from a vendor off the street. So so secretly in recent years we've started pre-buying the popcorn in really big boxes just <laughs> makes like, things a lot easier just like the movie theaters do but we put it out on display in in boxes but we actually really did very nitpickly like think about all of the low level details like we had um, even the popcorn boxes, we wanted to make sure that they were sort of flat and weren't just paper things because we wanted students to be able to put them down and passersby put them down while interacting with students' laptops. I think when we even had water machines, like sort of dispensing water, we deliberately got those conical cups that come to a triangular point as opposed to flat bottom ones because we wanted people literally to finish any water they had in their cups so as to minimize the risk that someone was going to put a cup of water down near a student's laptop and spill. So we were even obsessing to that level of detail early on. And while we didn't do this the first year, we actually realized quickly that in such a large group of people, the balloons that we first got for the first year or more of the fair were latex. And unfortunately, too many people are allergic to latex, potentially, especially when you have hundreds of them floating around in the air. So uh, after one or more years, we switched to... Um, uh, to foil balloons, mylar balloons instead, which unfortunately are more expensive, but they, they don't have the allergens. Huh, I never would have ever crossed my mind. Were there any other surprises, things you weren't expecting that suddenly came up during the process of planning and executing that very first fair? That was certainly one. Not so many surprises. Otherwise, we eventually realized that we don't need to worry too much about conical-shaped cups. We eventually got flat and bottom cups, and knock on wood, uh, nothing bad has happened to any laptops with water. Um, no, I think we, and, and Yuki was great at this, event planning and sort of envisioning designs. Uh, we we introduced some very deliberate design decisions like we had uh, we wanted to invite some uh, industry friends and alumni and recruiters really from companies popular tech companies that we knew students might have an interest in working for over the summer or full-time so we actually invited eight or so such folks from industry that year but we very deliberately put them at the back of the room um, one we didn't want companies to be the focus of the event it was obviously supposed to be focused on the students and so a major, super majority of the tables were indeed allocated to students laptops and their products Projects. But we also very deliberately, when people came into this large space, wanted to pull them through the whole space. So even those upperclassmen or, say, juniors and seniors who might be there primarily to look into job opportunities, but secondarily wouldn't mind chatting with friends and seeing their projects and so forth. We wanted to sort of compel them to go through the space, see all of the projects before they actually reach the table. So we tried to think about details like that. Um, and then we did introduce the first year. Oh, yeah, this was unforeseen. Uh, we got stress balls which are just these squishy spherical things that say CS50 on them or CS50 uh, stress ball, literally nowadays. Um, and we wanted the TFs to hand them out as people came into the space and descended this beautiful staircase that leads into the space. What we didn't expect was that the TFs would start throwing the stress balls at attendees, <laughs> right. which was actually kind of an issue because they don't hurt and like it's not a, a danger like that. But when you're throwing the stress balls up a stairwell and you don't necessarily have good aim, then do the balls come back down thanks to gravity um, and knock things over. So it's been hard to put downward pressure on that tradition, but I think we finally killed it off.
Yeah, well, we've moved. So no- Northwest was the original location. That basement was the original location for the first fair. And you stayed there for 10 years. Is that right? Oh, let's call it 10 years. Yeah, 10 years and then two years now in a different place. Yeah. And so this new location, how did that come about? So we just in the last two years have switched to holding uh, the CS50 fair in the Smith Center, a newly renovated part of Harvard's campus. Uh, did you know immediately that's where you wanted to move the fair to? Or how did that come about? Yeah. So Harvard recently renovated a building that was once called the Holyoke Center and is now called the Smith Center, and it's more of a community space on campus. They gutted the first couple of floors, uh, enlarged the ceilings, and made this beautiful big open space called Harvard Commons, which is a glassed-in area that uh, has chairs and tables and a little stage and just a lot of big open space. And the best feature of it is that it's 100% central in Harvard Square, which is the heart of the area right next to Harvard Yard. And whereas Northwest Science was one of these buildings on campus that really was on the periphery. So it's a destination. Like, you have to intend to go to the CS50 fair and therefore there's that non-zero activation energy to just get attendees to come chat with folks. Um, so the fact that it's now in Harvard Square is great because we have all the more passers-by, even tourists, people who are just poking their head in to see what goes on at a university and what our own students have accomplished. And the upside of that is that there's all the more attendees for, to chat up our own students and ask them to show off their projects. So hopefully it's a, a win-win for everyone. Yeah, that sounds like a huge advantage because Northwest, if you're unfamiliar with the layout of Harvard's campus, like if you look at a map of Harvard's campus, Northwest is in like the far corner of the campus and on some maps it's just like cut off altogether you can't even see it Uh, so it is like you do have to journey a little bit in order to get there what was what did you do in the very first year before people knew what the CS50 fair was like to like get faculty and other students to be able to show up in order to talk to students about their projects yeah a lot of hoping uh, that very first year it was one of those things where I know it's kind of a dated reference now but uh, if you ever saw the movie Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner uh, there's a line in it if you build it they will come or he will come Um, and we sort of likened I likened this to this experience where we were putting together this pretty large-scale event for 300 plus students and we hoped, 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 hoped that people would actually come. Um, So spoiler, they did. And it's wonderful. And we've done uh, 11 more since then. Um, But there was just a lot of straightforward publicity with postering on campus and emails and word of mouth. Um, It's encouraging students to invite people they knew. But we also introduced a couple of other elements. And this, I do think, was a very last minute decision. And I don't recall where it came from. But we decided, for the starting with the very first CS50 fair, to have a raffle, as you know now, where we would give every attendee a, a, a printed program, a brochure that kind of explained the event and had a map of the space and a few other things. But it also had like 10 or 12 spots for smiley face stickers that were initially blank. And we then gave to all of the students presenting their work like uh, 10 or 12 smiley face stickers. And the instructions to attendees were for any student who you chat up and ask them about their project like hey what did you do or hey can i see a demo the student was then authorized to give you a smiley face sticker for your uh printed program, which uh, took the dual role of a raffle card. So if you chatted with as many as 10 or 12 students over the course of the fair, you could accumulate up to 10 or 12 stickers, each one of which represented indeed an entry into the a raffle with fabulous prizes. And they were kind of fabulous. Like we did uh, procure and had give, uh, donated for us for students, uh, donated to us for students, things like an Xbox and a Wii and all the sort of fun toys that, uh, especially electronic, that people might like these days. So it was just another way of trying to get attendees to come, ultimately for the projects and for the students in the class, but also help sort of grease the social friction to give them yet another reason to come see their friend or roommate. Heck, you could win an Xbox along the way. I think that's been like a great part of the fair because it just means that constantly, so anyone who's like there at the fair is 
talking to people and is asking people questions and it really always feels like people are engaged and curious and they're talking yeah. well, and giving a little bit a little bit of that extra impetus to do so yeah hopefully it just breaks the ice right because it's what you would like to think that every attendee would be comfortable coming up to you and say hey brian what did you do for your project but if you can kind of couch it in like hey brian what did you do <laughs> for your project when you're really there for the sticker but you would certainly benefit from and enjoy hearing about something neat that the student worked on it kind of helps break the the social ice, we hope. And so we've kept it for now 12 years, 12 stickers. So you now over 12 fairs have talked to a lot of students about a lot of projects. Any that particularly stand out to you? Anything really memorable projects that you remember from past fairs? There are, and this is like hands down one of the biggest FAQs of CS50 itself. Uh, my, the official answer is that I love them all equally, <laughs> uh, as you know. Um, and honestly, it's hard to... Uh, to even have favorites, like because we have so many students, like 800 this most recent semester, you see so many projects and there's such a range. Like I really don't tend to have favorites. The ones that do stick in my mind often only because they are different from a lot of the projects is anyone that integrates uh, like some piece of hardware with their project or any kind of tool or technology that we didn't teach in the class. And this is characteristic of a lot of students' projects. Like some projects are absolutely uh, inspired by things like CS50's CS50 Finance Problem Set, where you build a stock trading website so you can see elements of Bootstrap and Flask and SQLite and these elements that students use in the course's problem sets that they then use in their final project. And that is totally the point of the final project, to take the, the newfound, newfound knowledge of programming out for a spin and design something of their own. But I'm always so impressed and, and, and amazed how many students and how many projects implement something that we did not taught them. Um, and I've come to realize, like this is the biggest compliment, I think, is just being part of the class and, and its instruction that students now are so empowered as to not just apply lessons learned in the class uh, explicitly, but to go off on their own and feel sufficiently comfortable and sufficiently capable of like figuring out some new tool or some library or some language and then applying it to a project of their own. Like that is by far the coolest thing. And it, it makes me think and hope that we're doing something right, that so many students are able to do that after only like three months of a CS course, their first ever. Yeah, it's always amazing to just see that delta of like students at the beginning of the class having not ever written a line of code and just making, uh, you know, Mario's pyramid appear with one or two or three or four rows. And then just like a couple months later, they're building all sorts of really interesting and cool stuff. Yeah, no, I mean it. At the end of the semester, I usually send a, a congratulatory email of sorts to all students. And I encourage them to think back on how, you know, some 12 weeks prior, like Mario.c was hard, uh, where we asked them in that problem set just to print a, a hierarchical pyramid of hashtags on the screen. And it is hard. It certainly fits your first time programming uh, with C, let alone any language. Um, but my God, they come so far by the end of the semester to be building their own web-based, database-backed application. Like That's a pretty remarkable thing. Yeah. And one nice thing about just the ability to showcase these projects is not only are they showcasing them now to other students and other attendees at the fair, um, but because of what the production team has now done, there's also now this live stream yes. in recent years where uh, students can showcase their projects to the world and people are interviewing them and asking them questions and anyone online can go and see like what projects people are doing. How long has that been around and what's oh, the process for that? That's like? a really good question. We've certainly been capturing on video and, and camera still shots memories of the fair from early on. 
Um, but in the past, let's say three or four years maybe, have we indeed started live streaming the whole event and turning it into something akin to like the Olympics where you have roaming reporters interviewing the, the, the athletes and in our case, the computer scientists about their project on the floor and sort of multiplexing, toggling among all of the different cameras and views. It's typically hosted by one or more members of the staff, uh, Colton Ogden, Veronica Nutting this most recent year and last year as well, uh, who kind of anchored the whole show and it's such fun to flip through and and watch so many different angles of the fair that you missed at the time i mean we're talking an event now that draws amazingly some 2000 plus attendees typically every year not to mention our own students presenting their projects so even you as a human attendee at this event only barely scratch the surface of everything that's going on and all the projects that are there and the conversations and demos. So being able to re-experience it on video or to be able to experience it at all virtually from wherever you are in the world via the, the live streams on YouTube and Facebook and the like is really such a fun thing. And it just gets prettier and better and, and more and more interactive thanks to CS50's amazing team. But it really is the students like interviews on these and the, the demos on their screens that really pop. And actually one thing we did start doing a few years prior to that was expecting of students when they submit their final projects, not just their code and their documentation and so forth, but also a, a two to five minute video that we asked them to upload unlistedly to YouTube so that we then have a, a visual demonstration. And we ask students, of course, if they wanna opt into allowing us to share these online. So usually most students uh, allow us to publish them in a gallery of sorts online too. And that's been fun too, to build up all the more of this repository of now hundreds, thousands really of, of students final projects. Yeah, that's always great to see, especially because the fair is relatively short. It's a couple of hours long, and so there's no way you'd be able to have a complete conversation with 800 plus students that are all presenting their projects during it. So I always go back and I look at the video, and sometimes as a project, it's like, oh, wow, I wish I had been able to to go see that one in more detail because there are just so many cool and interesting things that are happening there. Though I feel on, on the behalf of our production team, I should emphasize it's not really a couple of hours. Like it's been at least four hours most years. and some years, it's probably been five or more. But that too has been a design detail that we've had to figure out experimentally over time. Um, even the first one was probably three or four hours, but broken into shifts. I think we probably had students presenting in groups of roughly 100 out of the 287 students and presenting for about 90 minutes at a time. And we've changed that number. Sometimes it's a 90 minutes, sometimes it's been 80 or 60 minutes or 75. Uh, at Yale too, have we played with these numbers really based on the uh, hours during which we wanna run the event and the total numbers of students. Um, but that helps us accommodate even more students because we can't have 800 students all at once. And I'm not sure we would want to have everyone there at once. You want attendees not presenting their projects to chat up those presenting. So playing with those numbers has, has helped as well. And there too, like even fine tuning things, we've sometimes started at 11 a.m. or noon, but of course then you clobber lunch. Um, we've ended at like 4.30 or 4 p.m. and then people start to kind of check out at the end of the day. So we're trying to find the sweet spot and it's something in the range of like 11 to four seems to be best. If not wrapping a little earlier, we get critical mass. And you mentioned Yale as well. So CS50 has been at Yale now for, I think this was just its fifth year at Yale that CS50 has been offered there. And we've had a fair every single year. Um, how has the organizing the fair there been different? Because it's been interesting to see how we've taken the fair, which used to just exist for this course, and now Yale does it. And then we've even seen like, CS50 teachers who are teaching CS50 AP, like high school versions of the class that have had their own fairs at their own high schools with their high school students all presenting their projects to other students and other teachers and members of their communities. So what does that look like? And what does what goes into like making 
another fair other than our own? Yeah, really good question. Fortunately, we essentially had a playbook for Yale in that we knew how to run a fair and what knobs we could turn. So it was mostly execution of that kind of template, uh, thanks to Jason Hershorn early on with our very first fair in a building at Yale called Commons, which is this beautiful space, even grander than Harvard's Annenberg Hall, where uh, students would take meals. Um, it Very Harry Potter-like, if you're familiar with Hogwarts. Um, so we used that space and set up tables. The tables were not bar height there because we had these old school, beautiful wooden tables that were normal height, and we felt, okay, reasonable compromise. Not everything needs to be exactly the same. We don't need to go rent tables when we have tables here. Um, but we similarly invited some alumni and recruiters and, and industry friends to table for students there too. Uh, because of various uh, dining constraints there, we haven't typically had the same food instead of popcorn and cotton candy in recent years. We have cookies instead, so the, the cuisine is a little different in New Haven than Cambridge. Um, but for the most part, the structure of the event is pretty much the same. And in fact, we bring a photo booth to Yale, just like we have here, to allow students to take memories uh, home with them. Um, and at the end of the day, the most important detail is just that the students are there and uh, that the, there's someone for them to chat with. And so one thing that has worked out well in recent years, both in Cambridge at Harvard and in New Haven at Yale, is we've started inviting CSFTs a high school audience, aka CS50 AP. So both at Harvard and Yale, do we have a few busloads of high school or middle school students coming on field trips with their teachers and parents to come see our undergraduates' final projects? And that's been great too, because it literally increases significantly like the number of people uh, who are there to chat up our own students. The younger students are often quite interested in what they might do in college, let alone in a place like Harvard or Yale. So it's just all the better, we hope, for our own students who then have all the more of a genuine interest among passers and their projects. Yeah, and some of the high school students recently, I remember in this most recent CS50 fair at Yale, like some of the high school students had projects of their own that they were showing off and talking to people about. And it was really cool to see like, the kinds of stuff that they were doing. I unfortunately never got to see the Yale fair at the Commons, which sounds like a beautiful space. The first Yale fair that I remember, I forget which year it was, was that like a museum or something? And I remember the photo booth had like dinosaurs in the background and we were walking through these like museum exhibits and seeing projects. And that was a fun space, just something a little bit different. It in. was very weird Yeah, though. it was different. This was their museum. Museum of Natural History, and there really were literal dinosaur bones in, in the photographs with the laptops and YouTube videos. And it was this weird collision of worlds between thousands of years ago and like modernity now. So, but it was a beautiful space. So that worked out well. However, not unlike Northwest Science at Harvard, that building, the, the museum was pretty far off campus. So we've used the library, we've used another event space on campus, but we're hoping this fall that Commons will reopen. It's been undergoing renovations for a few years. Don't know what it's going to look like yet on the inside. Side, but we're hoping we can return to a grander space, especially now that we have some 200 plus students at Yale. So we kind of need the, the, the room to grow. But as you say, even more amazing besides uh, New Haven and Cambridge alike, um, some of our communities online, CS50X, so to speak, has been building up their own CS50 fairs, sometimes with advice and direction from us, but even more often just inspired by the photographs that we've been posting from CS50's fairs at Harvard and Yale. Uh, so most recently did some of our, our friends and students in Iraq have their own CS50X Iraq uh, fair, I think the first ever, and they even duplicated down to the level of detail of getting the same emoji balloons that we had here in Cambridge uh, that we have flying in the space. So it was fascinating seeing this parallel world where students uh, who had, were similarly proud of and had accomplished their final projects were showing them off in a space very similar to ours with balloons very similar to ours with popcorn very similar to ours. Um, and it was quite flattering and, and just remarkable to see what the students there who were running this um, 
did with that that vision and made it their own. Yeah, I remember you sharing some of the photos of that of, from that fair with me, and I remember looking at some of the photos and like for a split second, almost thinking it was our fair because you see a bunch of tables and a bunch of emoji balloons. And, like I've never <laughs> seen that anywhere CS50. else other than the CS50 fair. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I should emphasize too. I mean, balloons are relatively easy to procure, though um, the helium element isn't ideal. But of course, that's what helps it fill the space literally vertically. Um, but the origins of the fair itself, I should emphasize, really were much much more modest. Like in 2007 of CS50, there was no fair, and there was instead more traditional final project presentations. So before your time, uh, we had that year some uh, 200, 300 students as well. And we, and in fact, it might have been 287 that first year, and then like 332 the second year. So, but same order of magnitude. And we had. Um, reserved a whole bunch of small rooms on campus and all of our teaching fellows or TFs would lead their sections or recitations of 10 to 20 students uh, through a tour of everyone's final project. So you, if you were a student, would stand up for maybe five minutes and present your final project, then the next student, then the next student. And I, as the instructor that year, tried to bounce around these rooms as best I could, but I physically and temporarily could not visit all of the rooms. Um, and even the students and the TFs who were there, I, I don't think they were all very inspired. I mean, it was kind of boring. Like it was kind of a rote requirement that you be there, listen to your classmates present their final project. And while I'm sure there was some inspiration, it there was no up-tempo, there was no inspiration, there was no casual chit-chat, it really was formal. And so we just, that's what we tore down in 2008. We got rid of what no one really wanted to do. Everyone was really just going through these motions to present their final project and tried to turn it into something fun. Like I myself never attended a middle school science fair, but we turned it into what I assumed a middle school science fair was like uh, with everyone presenting their work at some sort. And we definitely added our own elements. Um, but that was the motivation. But we beta tested the CS50 fair in some form at uh, Harvard Extension School. So I and now you have been teaching at Harvard Extension School for some time, our continuing ed program. And for a couple of our software-based classes that also culminated in final projects, we introduced a mini CS50 fair very early on, I believe before our 2008 CS50 fair that just brought the students together, those who were local to Cambridge in a small room on campus, but we didn't do it with sort of formal presentations like in 2007. We instead went to CVS, local uh, convenience store and pharmacy, picked up some Entenmann's cake, which are these like boxed up cakes that you can get in some supermarkets and some convenience stores. We got some like plastic knives and I think we got milk. So, <laughs> uh, we got some cups with milk for some delicious chocolate cake and just turned on some music. And we laid out the tables, got rid of the chairs, and just invited the students, our extension students, those terms, to come in, set up their laptops with power cords wherever, and just kind of roam about a room. And honestly, like that had a different vibe to be sure, much smaller scale, but like no less uh, proud and no less like accomplished. Um, just bringing people together more casually to sort of delight in what they've done and what each other have done, like is all it really takes. So truly, like the lower bound here for a very successful CS50-like fair is just some Entenmann's cakes. <laughs> I don't think you even need the milk because we've nixed that since. And some music too, I think to fill in sort of the gaps and grease the social context with some music is a good thing too. Up-tempo, not something somber. So yeah, I was about to ask about that. The music, who who picks the playlist? I've always wondered about this. So there's some, I know there is a, like a CS50 fair playlist and someone presses play on that playlist. Where'd all those songs come from? Yeah, so a friend of mine who uh, gives me haircuts actually uh, had in his own salon many years ago some really cool like up-tempo, hip sort of fashion-like music playing. Um, and I think this was kind of before the days of Shazam, so I couldn't just take out my phone and figure out what it was. So I asked him what it was. Um, and he and his husband kindly put together a, a mix CD 
of uh, music that uh, we then played in MP3 format or something like that at the first CS50 fair. And what was characteristic of it was that it was music that didn't really have lyrics. It was mostly just sounds and a lot of up-tempo beats that really was conducive to kind of keeping the blood pumping and like the conversations going and just kind of keeping the energy level up. Um, and so for a couple of years, I think we used those soundtracks. I think sometime after that, I was at a conference or um, an event, Google I.O., I think, which is Google's annual input-output conference for uh, techies. And uh, they had played really cool music that one year when everyone would come up onto the stage. And so I actually went and chatted with the AV technicians, figured out who their DJ was, and he kindly <laughs> sent me a copy of the very music they had used for their own conference. So we used that music for a year or two since. Um, since then, Spotify came into existence, um, and so did Colton Ogden, formerly of this podcast. Um, and he would DJ and pick songs out from Spotify. Um, and most recently this year, I think I, I always describe the kind of music that I like for the event as like fashion show like music or the kind of music you'd see in a kind of a cool like clothing store really and like that's just kind of playing and you feel like you're in a cool place so i think i literally just searched on uh, spotify this year for fashion show music and sure enough there's this massive playlist that you could use so that's there's what we spotify use playlists year. for like just about anything you search up any occasion any genre any mood you want and you just there's a Spotify playlist that someone's compiled for. Yeah, and you know, because we've shared with our own CS50 account some of our own playlists, you can probably search for CS50 fair music and even find an answer to that question now too. Though, of course, someone needs to put it there, so. All right, yeah, that's good to know. And I really do think the music does have the effect of like keeping the energy up and really encouraging these conversations. And I think that's kind of the distinguishing feature of the CS50 fair from the 2007 style presentations you were talking about. It's just much more conversational. It's all about just getting students to talk about their projects with other people that are interested in it and having the opportunity to share that and talk about the work they've done in just a semester of time in the class. Yeah, yeah, it really isn't a resource question. To this day with our extension school courses, which are smaller scale um, in terms of numbers of students, we still just pick up some Entenmann's cakes, like literally uh, from CVS or the like and get people together with some nice music, no milk, um, but just some tables and um, invite students to bring their laptops. And those are just as successful. So it really doesn't take all of the balloons and, and spectacle. It really just takes the people at the end of the day. And again, like making it more of a community, social uh, like inspirational event and not a presentational event, I think is the key distinction. Yeah, I think that's worked really well. And it's been a lot of fun for me as a staff member. And I think for students as well, just to be a part of that kind of experience, because it's definitely a memorable one. That then is the CS50 Fair, and this was the CS50 Podcast. My name is David Malin. My name is Brian Yu. And if you'd like to reach out with any suggestions or requests for future podcast episodes, do, as always, email us at podcast at cs50.harvard.edu. Talk to you next time.